What the hell, Kim? Here I am in Illinois, and they've got legal cannabis. If I buy weed on this side of the bridge, I'm buying it from a crook. If I buy weed on that side of the bridge, I'm buying it from a reputable business person. Our laws in Iowa put people into rape cages because they smoke marijuana. How about Barack Obama, Kamala Harris, George Bush, his friend Bill Clinton, Joe Rogan used some too, I heard. It's not a gateway to anything other than illegality. So when's the drug war going to end in Iowa, Kim? Easy answer, the day I'm governor. I'm Rick Stewart, and I approve this message. Guys, I want to start the episode out by talking about, by far, possibly, my favorite company of all time. A company that I am actually employed uh, for. Gorilla Graphics Design Agency. The team at Gorilla Graphics is fucking phenomenal. We always have shit going. Um, we always have projects that, in you know, closely collaborating with people trying to get their vision going um you know we can provide you with top tier effects and production value we have everything you can ask for including equipment and a stellar end product from top to bottom head over to gorillagraphics.com for all of your design needs today Trying to find your next spot for a show or event? Look no further because Stutterbox Productions is here to help. If you're looking for a solid team of people to get you started with your next performance or event, this is the company to contact. So what are you waiting for? Head over to Stutterbox Productions' Facebook page for all of your needs today. Hey everybody, this is McAllister's Podcast. I'm your host as always, Cole McAllister. We're joined today by Marco Battaglia. How you doing today, man? Doing well. Returning guests on the episode. Oh, yeah. It's nice to be back at the headquarters. The headquarters. <laughs> the the illustrious headquarters. Oh, yeah. You know, the mysterious things we have going on. I like the know. artwork. It, uh, oh. I always enjoy walking through. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of it is, you know, LSD-inspired. I, 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 you know, I do do have done a lot of the coke painting so that's kind of my thing um yeah like i said returning guest you are lieutenant governor um running under the libertarian party um along with your um running mate rick stewart um you guys i you know i was saying before um i love rick's ad for marijuana i love what you guys are doing like you know really and like you guys have like a real grassroots approach like you've been really going around actually talking to the people something that you know, I doubt Kim Reynolds is actually doing. I really, so I've learned a lot in the last couple decades, really, but especially since being in the gubernatorial primary last cycle, running against Eternal General Tom Miller last cycle, and then being part of this process, because Rick was actually the first one to get nominated. So like his campaign slogan is like the first choice for Iowa governor but that was just really because he was you know the first person that threw his hat in the ring and was out there like we were going to parades this time last year yeah and, yeah. and meeting people and, and you know hearing them out and that was kind of actually how we formed our <clears throat> the platform of issues that we like that he has on his website and you know he's been so Prior to this, he had rode his bike through all 99 counties. I saw you post about that today. And yeah. then he has had probably closer to 100, but easily over 50 um, events where he's been, you know, just mixing it up with, with people from different parts of Iowa. Um, he's been really available to the press. Um, 
And yeah, I think it's actually probably the first time that someone that's like a sitting governor has just not responded to various media outlets. Um, mm. There's been minimal polling, only a couple. There's been um, only one debate, and the one she agreed to is one that has actual stipulations saying, you know, you basically have to be a Democrat or a Republican to participate. So it was like of safe to know she wouldn't have to be on the stage with someone that's not like your classic, you know, you already know if you if there's a Democrat and Republican debating, most of Iowa knows which one they're going to root for before the debate happens. It's like it's like that in unless you're independent, which is a large part of the population, you're not really like learning more so as like rooting like yeah stick it to that other yeah. person or whatever <laughs> yeah or hurry exactly. stick it to the president because she's mainly been campaigning against biden and not really mentioned her her opponents very often so yeah well it is it, you know i i just cannot stand kim Reynolds. i really cannot like i've always had a distaste for kim Reynolds. i know rick was just on here like you know he kind of has spiel about like how he doesn't want to talk you know, too badly about his candidates. And I, I understand mean, that. I'm just, I think I'm generally honest to a fault. And <laughs> I've, I have made what, what I would call friends with people that are in the Iowa legislature and some, some, uh, elected that are active, some that are former legislature, some that are appointed to positions. And there's really been actually a surprising number of people that I felt were like, Hey, this is a, a good person doing it for the right reasons and i've honestly never got that vibe from from her um or or adam Gregg. like it just seems like so many photo opportunities so much just ass kissing pandering yeah. you know we back the blue we support our troops but not like you know just an empty meme at platitude <laughs> not like what are you actually doing to to live by that and also, it's it's something that's really happened, um, you know, pretty much in the COVID response. It's like the GOP just kind of gets a pass to be like, "Oh, mm -hmm. we were the Freedom Party." Oh, and like, yeah. No, you you were governor during this time, and you know, my family was hurting, and we had a business that that went under during that time. Well, you know, to me, it's a clear case of you know, wealthy donors got preferential treatment like Tyson, you know, they're staying open, you know, you know, mm, yeah. Walmart staying open, but you know, local businesses, venues, bars really got, uh, the shaft and had a hard time. And this they was, really this was when, you know, when you had GOP leadership in Iowa, you had this governor in Iowa. So, you know, before you were against it, you signed a mass mandate before, you know, your lieutenant governor was on his social media, you know, praising um, vaccinations before you started being a defender of, of, you know, the freedom to choose. So to me, it's like, just not the place of a government official to really like, what you're really doing is, you know, uh, advertising for a product and like yeah it's exactly. unfortunate that a lot of people don't look at that that way like people that 10 years ago five years ago would have been like oh 
skeptical of these big pharmaceutical companies like then they all of a sudden jumped and became their they're bowing giving them them. free advertising for for their product and and to me that's not it's not even taking like what if you want to put hundreds of different things in in your body that's fine you know it's yours and uh go for it whether it's whether it's an illicit substance or you know a touted um vaccination like I'm not going to, mm-hmm. I'll give you my honest opinion if you ask, but you know, I'm not your doctor. I'm not exactly. going to suggest do this or, or do that. Like, uh, it's just, to me, that's not a, you know, it wouldn't be my place to suggest people try psilocybin therapy, um, as a profession, you know, as a, a government official, like, I'll say like, you know, you should maybe talk to your doctor about this and, and consider it. Uh, I think it's safe and it's helping a lot of people, but I'm not going to try to be, you know, an authority yeah. on, per se. I just want people to have the freedom to try it. I will say the sad thing about living in Iowa is if you tell your doctor you want to take psilocybin, they'll probably be like, yo. Um, <laughs> cannabis, if you're honest about using cannabis, let alone any other drug, I mean, there's a reason why methamphetamine is a, a schedule too because there is some therapeutic benefit and yeah i take adderall it gets a bad fucking rap but pretty much every substance that is illicit has some kind of purpose that is helpful to people and and um i really love uh, this guy named dr carl hart who mm, i love uh, him. i think we brought him up last time but drug yeah. use for grown-ups like if you're in a responsible grown-up and you're using any you know any substance known to man and it has some kind of net benefit in your life and you're not like you know becoming uh irresponsible or a letdown yeah. or a danger or something then yeah like, if it's not negatively that's affecting just basic you. liberty is you should be able to enjoy it and and pursue happiness and you know what do these people that are still drug warriors in 2022 like is it a fucking joke? Like you don't know all the side effects of a, a pharmaceutical or of yeah, alcohol. No, no. Like I'm fine with Cheers. people. <laughs> I'm fine with people <laughs> imbibing, but at least understand, you know, if I have way too many of this, it's doing a lot of harmful oh, sure. shit to my body. Sure. Sure. Like that's basic personal responsibility. Yeah. Well, um, and this episode, Rick will come out after this, what we're talking, but, um, I was talking with Rick and we were talking about heroin Mm. and you know, the withdrawal from heroin is less severe than the withdrawal from alcohol. Like undoubtedly, um, not even comparable. Somebody, I think it was a pro wrestler had a son that passed away, like trying to quit cold Turkey from drinking. Uh, who was it now? can't remember he came out and talked about it but now i don't want to say because i can't remember <laughs> exactly I, I think i know who it was but th- yeah. i think it was kevin nash but i can't remember for sure i was just reading about him announcing his son's passing and then he explained you know like don't underestimate you know alcohol because um when you're a heavy drinker and you just stop like that's another big traumatic event for your body <laughs> Yeah, you know, and that's what, like, for me personally, that's why I've always, like, stuck towards, like, cannabis. Like, it's not one of those drugs that, like, you're going to get that same. Like, if I quit using cannabis for a week, I'm not going to, like, be shivering and throwing up and close to death. Most psychedelics, even more so. Like, most people, 
I'm sure there's outliers, but most people don't want to like just go right back. Like usually, oh, yeah, there's no, like this time, no. time in between where you kind of. I almost like it's almost like they're made up to be used medicinally and not exactly. so much recreationally. Like we call it recreational use, but just because you're not, you know, with a therapist or with some kind of medical professional in a room. So outside. So I'm actually worried about that. Like if we go too hard on um, clinical therapy, are they just trying to gonna corner them as like a pharmaceutical like oh. drug instead of just like, you know, they grow all over the world in our freaking backyards and that should be allowed too, like yeah. to have that stuff at home. And actually it takes way more work to, you know, grow a good cannabis crop or to grow psilocybin than most people think. So like most people are going to want to like buy it at a store like the average person i don't think yes. is going to do the work it'd be cool actually if they did i think maybe profound for our society if people actually like <laughs> grew stuff you know like their right. own medicine and their own food Hell but yeah. it takes work and you know yeah. some at least some amount of money capital to start out so so it's like there's a time investment and there's the work and then there's actually some skill and some knowledge that goes into it you can't just like you know throw a seed or a spore into whatever and yeah it exactly. just happens magically yeah well when i took it you know i haven't taken lsd in probably a, minute, a couple of years but uh whenever i mean every time i took it like the last thing i wanted to do was just like hey let's do that again it's it's a 10 to 12 hour experience like it, you have to prepare an entire weekend for essentially because the next day or two you're gonna be like shot because you're you're just exerting yourself both physically <clears throat> excuse me and emotionally and it's like it is they they call it a trip because it literally is a trip <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's like taking like a, a, a longer lasting psychedelic for sure but i would say even the shortest lasting are still like such a profound oh, experience yeah, for sure. that there there'll probably be those handful of people that you know do have some way to have it affect them negatively and, and oh, sure. use it far too often. But I think for most people, you're just not going to want. I agree. You're, you're going to respect it once you've experienced it yeah, to some I, degree. I mean, if anything, compared to alcohol, there's no question. Like, people who drink alcohol, they are continuous. Like, people who drink alcohol wake up and they start drinking. Nobody has a trip and then wakes up, you know, four hours later and is like, oh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, honestly, if someone could function doing that, um, then, yeah, fine. It's probably I mean, less harmful. <laughs> yeah. But, well, they actually, they have a, um, there's a guy who did a video where he recorded himself um, doing simple things both on LSD and alcohol, and he was way more functioning every time on the LSD. Yeah, I think it's a a big part of it is psychological, like or fear of what's going to happen if you've never done it before. So yeah, but once you have kind of control over your body and understand what's happening to your mind, either from experience or from study of what actually does happen. Um, yeah, I could see that becoming way more um, kind of in control and and uh, kind of just making it a, a really positive experience. Like, 
yeah. set and setting is what they always talk about. And yeah. It's every, everything is so important. Your dose, your set, your setting. Just, it's not something you just can just go into like, yeah. After a chaotic day, no plans. You know, you got a bunch of shit you got to do, and then just it's like, uh, you're not Hunter S. Thompson, you know. Yeah, unless you're <laughs> unless living you it, unless you're, yeah, doing all that, and I'll probably wind up similar. You know? Yeah, that motherfucker took acid every day. Yeah, he would write. He would take acid, and he would just write. That was his. I I couldn't imagine, you know, wanting to. Exactly. But. uh but yeah, so one thing that I really think has gotten missed, or you know, even your Grassleys and your um, Kim Reynolds, you know, pay it lip service, but they don't really get into the nitty gritty. Is like the fentanyl mm. um, situation, and I have gotten to the point where I've talked to enough people that have had experiences. I've talk to doctors and first responders and even just like you know now if you're like a a mall cop you experience overdose and you carry narcan Mm, um yeah you know i've talked to the security like jordan creek mall and and they have a lot of overdoses they've administered narcan and yeah you know it's either like shoplifting like teenage fight club or an overdose and that's like their daily damn you know cycle through yeah there was a that we had a guest on recently who um i didn't research this but apparently in des moines a person died from touching a door handle that had fentanyl in it i i would have to see the like i would coroner too. i would too. because i'm not by i still you can't just die you don't think from so touching fentanyl it, i have heard that but maybe I mean, maybe if you rubbed it in your eye or sucked your finger you think, or something but so, see I, and this is a thing like this is not a uh, it doesn't scholarly podcast <laughs> it, there's a lot of fear-mongering and a lot of myth like oh the cop just touched it and just fucking hmm you don't buy it no. okay no i mean no. And, that, and like i said like i haven't looked into it i didn't and also fen- it. fentanyl is a very therapeutic thing and for people that have chronic pain like there have talk to a man that got electrocuted like horribly and is just in constant fucking the worst pain you can imagine and fentanyl is like his what gets him to like kind of be able to live a normal life yeah so i mean it has its place i don't think it needs it shouldn't be demonized but what you need to know is you know we need uh we need drug testing and we need safe yeah. supply. Yeah. We need to know what dose of like, so, you know, you can go on like Snapchat or anything probably and, and buy pills. And there's a good chance there's fentanyl, no matter what they say, the pill is exactly. And that's, what's fucked up, but there's a way we can fight that. And that's to have it be common to have drug safety testing, common to have a safe supply. Yeah. Like, we are being poisoned and this shit is just being shipped in here constantly, but it just gets so like half of these people want to be like, well, it's illegal. It's bringing it across the border. The other half wants to be like, well, they're making it in China. Well, like you're defeating, like you're, you're not really getting to the point that if we want to save people's lives, we know how. We know to make drug testing common and easy and have a safe supply of it so yeah. people aren't going and 
you know, picking an emoji and, and saying, I want, <laughs> you know, hydro, and then it's just fentanyl that they get or whatever the fuck, you know, like yeah, some I kids think. not buying some something that they think will help them sleep, and then it's just fucking fentanyl and any of that. Yeah. Well, that's what's really great about uh, EDM festivals. Yeah. A lot of those. Drug safety yep. is becoming a lot more common, and there's a great group called dance safe that i i love like they're they're constantly pumping out fentanyl test strips and just making sure that people that go to those sorts of events have the safest and best time possible yeah i wish drug testing was more common i like even buying acid i had times where i was like should i get that kit you know like that's why i don't buy it now what i say say i'm talking to some basic you know small town iowan that has not really thought about that beyond like you know drugs are are bad um just say no like ronald Reagan. yeah marijuana is the most dangerous drug known <laughs> to man dude fuck reagan <laughs> yeah i mean while selling cocaine from contras <laughs> I'm glad we're finally at a point where like most people under 40 can be like, yeah, that was not like the, yeah, um, we shouldn't put this guy on a pedestal. (laughs) You know, what's crazy. Uh, Donald Trump stole his Logan or his his, uh, slogan. America great. There's a pin that I've seen that has W or no, uh, HW Bush and Ronald Reagan make America great again. (laughs) Like, bruh, it's not even original. You're not even original. (laughs) What, what wouldn't, you, they wouldn't even give you nothing besides a cameo in Home Alone 2, bro. <laughs> Did they edit him out of that yet? I know, I know that there they was were, talk about it. They were trying to. There was talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about... Do you think uh, Trump has a solid chance, realistically, for the presidential? I didn't think he did the first time. Like, <laughs> At first, I was like, well, I'll see what he has to say, and then... He came here in Iowa, like, right out the gates, like, oh, they're not sending their best, and they're bringing drugs, and I was like, fuck. (laughs) I got it that he was wanting to win and just saying what he thought he needed to say, but if you watched him in an interview any time before he announced he was running for president as a Republican... He never said shit like that. Yeah, no, not at all. Like nothing um, remotely right wing came out of his mouth. <laughs> he was a his Wall Street life. guy. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, like that somehow you get rural Iowans to like support <laughs> a new like a New York building management and Wall Street type yeah. dude like like, how did that fucking happen? I don't know. Like, I just think about, like, you know, in the 80s or 90s, if you'd be like, all right, your politicians are going to be Donald Trump, Dr. Oz, and <laughs> uh, Herschel Walker. Like, dude, as a Vikings <laughs> fan, like, so, you know, I was born in 85, but there, I don't know if you're familiar with Herschel Walker. No, um, no. So he was a football player, and there was a trade that happened that was, like, crushing to the Vikings, and and, uh, uh, it was basically involved Herschel Walker. So it's like, fuck, like, this fucking guy still out here fucking. 
I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, like the fact that Dr. Oz too, what the fuck? So what, they they ran for president? Is it uh they run for different positions. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, just the fact that like yeah, and they're, no, they're seen as viable politicians <laughs> because they're running as Republican. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean <laughs> Trump is crazy, man. It, it I mean, it, it it truly is removed. You know what? It is like a cult. I mean, there's no, no other way to yeah, look at it. Yeah, for real, for real. Like, uh, th- those uh, those paintings of Trump and Jesus, those get me every time. I, I can't help Autographing myself. Autographing Bibles? Like, what the <laughs> heck? <laughs> How did seen, we get here? Have you seen the video of him? He's in a Catholic church service, and, like, these this, like, group of priests is, like, walking the middle aisle, and he, like, acknowledges all of them, and then a black priest walks by and he just like looks away and then <laughs> he goes right back to the I don't even one. think you know and I'm I'm no I didn't like Biden when Obama picked him to be his running mate oh you know, Biden's like, awful this dude was awful and he was like the antithesis of what the current average Democrat voter would vote for like you look at what he actually did when he was in office like you might as well be you know might as well be a republican like if you just look on like voting history yeah right so it's in this day and age he would be for sure like how is his positions in the 70s and 80s like yeah it would definitely be that yeah now that's a whole wacky (laughs) world and i was hoping you know I think one day people will be over that shit, but uh, we'll have to find out, I guess, here in a couple weeks if Iowa is even close to being over it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think think Biden's going to make it to the end? (sighs) I don't know. I didn't know if Trump would. I didn't know. Like, (laughs) I didn't know, you know, if either of them would survive, you know, about with COVID. Yeah, they're both old as fuck. Either of them would survive, you know walking up steps like (laughs) i don't like i i have no problem with older people at all and but you know i'm getting to my upper 30s and you know i'm starting to feel it like it's important to take care of yourself and yeah i wouldn't think of biden and trump as people that you know really took that (laughs) to care of themselves with their diet and and (laughs) regimen and you know, like like Rick, my running mate, he's getting up there and he's he's power walking through these parades. Uh, he's yeah. bicycling around the state. Like, he, how old is he? Seventy, right? Yeah, he's he, he's he in looks his 70s. fucking great for seventy. Yeah, and you know he's sharp. Like his mm-hmm. uh, mental acuity is present. Like um, he can, you know put a few words together without just being like what the fuck is this guy talking about like it's not an old it's not an ageist thing it's like these particular senior citizens uh are not with it i don't think enough to have like a really important position in in society yeah no well, and that's kind of like the thing when when people it's it's funny to watch people like get on the Biden and Trump train and like attack each other's candidates for like mental. Well, it's like you so guys- many things are the same and exactly and being weird around women and kids and shit and just being whatever criticism you got having problematic family like they both 
fit the fucking bill and just the hypocrisy of like picking one of them out and being like well the other thing i a point that i thought got made that was good is like there was like this call of, of like um joe biden and his son um and just you know he was being like very loving and forgiving of his uh, compassionate about his drug problems mm. and you know i thought if anything that won me some points of respect back towards biden like i don't think that's something we really need to like drag through the fucking mud of like being compassionate about someone that's clearly struggling with substance abuse but still, the fact that if you want to point out one of them having, you know, problematic children that they've fathered, um, it would only be fair, I think, to to open up the the court to both of them. <laughs> At least open up the discussion, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, like this whole thing of like, if you are, uh, I don't know, if you're if you're supportive of only Republicans or supportive of only Democrats, like how do you not see the hypocrisy of just, you know, railing and pointing fingers at the other side and never criticizing your own team? Like, yeah, to me, if anything, I think libertarians are too good at criticizing their own. <laughs> right. Like right? everybody's out there. They're just waiting for you to say something and call you out like like if anything we're too good at that <laughs> right but i think that's a good quality like I think for, for sure the most part yeah i would rather have that and i think i've learned a lot from having you know people that um have been been a part of the movement uh for a lot longer than i've been alive like i love that when they call me or text me or message me and, and just say hey you know have you thought this way about this or hmm. you know whoa you were way off the fucking mark there from my perspective and it's like i i would rather listen and learn you know yeah i think that cultivates a good uh you know societal stepping stone like a, a good blueprint for like people to just interact like you know i think it's i think it's positive to have like friends and family members who are like able to call you out on bullshit you need people to keep you in line yeah. You know, and that's the problem with both Democrats and Republicans is like nobody's willing to keep each other in line. They're in that tunnel. They're in that passageway and they're just going forward. Yeah. And they're not going to, you know, they're willing to overlook that. I think when it comes. My mom's from Italy and came here, you know, through Ellis Island when she was a toddler. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, there's an old Italian saying like, like, you know, you should tell a friend when their face is dirty. That sort <laughs> of thing. Like. Like, to me, that uh, I don't get upset. I, I, like, would rather have a circle that's like that than just, you know, ass kissers and echo chamber. And good Lord, man. So, <laughs> yeah, for what, sure. So Kanye West, like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? I wanted to ask you about that, dude. Have you uh, have you seen the? I gotta be honest. I never understood Kanye West. Like I, I know there's people that are like, you know, this album or that album or like early Kanye or peak Kanye. Like I tried and I just didn't get it. Yeah. So I never like put him on whatever pedestal he got on to even like. 
think he was someone to like worry about what the fuck he had to say about anything or um is he gonna launch like a groundbreaking next record i just never thought i was never on that level or like he's gonna design like the most amazing sneaker that like (laughs) the world has ever seen like i think his fashion never understood that bro i've never the thing the one time i remember really respecting like a sneaker um i played basketball like in in middle school and a little bit in high school and um hakeem elijahwan made like i think it was i can't remember what brand it was but he made a sneaker that intentionally had a low price point because he was like saddened that kids were like stealing other kids shoes and that like Mm. theft was happening and like murders were happening over like new fucking jordans or whatever oh wow so like honestly that was like i respected the hell out of that like it was a sneaker that was supposed to be you know a certain quality but a certain low price so that to kind of like change that trend move away from that yeah and i thought that was really cool so yeah fucking dream that's a great example of like the charity of capitalism. Yeah, it you know? does happen. And, you know, Dr. Bronner's is one of my favorite companies and they like to use the term constructive capitalism. Mm. And um, I, I haven't fact checked it yet, but I know the other day I saw what I thought was a quote from Bono from like U2. Mm, yeah. And he said something to, uh, to paraphrase, like at one point I thought, you know, like taking wealth from someone and and redistributing it was like the way to have a better world, a better planet. And now I know that it's like, um, like compassionate competition. Um, that is a much better way. And, and I need to like go and see if he really said that because you never know these days, but, um, but I hope he did because that's pretty cool. Yeah. But, uh, you know, going back to Kanye, like, yeah, it's, it, it really, yeah. Um, did you watch his Lex interview? I honestly haven't have watched n- it. I've never really, like, given him Gone that much it. of my time. I just know he was trending for, yeah, for anti Semitism, which, you know, I, I don't know what he actually said. Even. Oh, well, he just, he basically just said that, um, the Jews are controlling the media. He, you know, he talked about the Jewish mafia. He said he was going to go DEFCON on the Jews. There was a interview, um, with a podcaster named Lex Freeman where he got pressed about everything with the Jews and like the entire interview, he was like referring to him. Like, like you, he was like, you guys, he was like, Oh, because I'm Jewish. Like, even though this tiny podcast, there's nothing to do with this, like, media empire that happens to be yeah like like everybody just knows each other and like yeah that whole (laughs) like like, yo i just got a pass because (laughs) i'm part of this either religion or this people yeah Yeah. it was just a very it was a very ignorant and you know it's kind of interesting because like there's always been this kind of narrative that like black people can't be racist and kanye killed that (laughs) just like there nobody can say that anymore because this motherfucker just (laughs) on the jews for like two and a half hours straight you know it's a tough landscape especially in politics because there is a huge lobby that exists to like pump money towards israel and to make israel look good in its government decisions and in its military activity Mm -hmm. and 
there has been people that have challenged that, that get labeled anti-Semite because, you know, kind of like here, if you were in opposition to going to Iraq or Afghanistan after 9-11, you got called un-American or anti-American. So like, basically, if you're not hardcore nationalist for this specific country, you're anti-america or you're pro-russian if you don't think we should be sending like weapons to ukraine it's like you don't i don't care for putin there's a lot of things wrong with that and you know i think i've heard that it's horrible to be like you know someone that's non-religious or that's not a cis you know heterosexual in russia so like that's yeah. not well cool. in ukraine too yeah that's the thing like ukraine gets painted as like this like oh they're great and they really yeah. are when not. there is weird things at play uh geopolitics and a broader um you know military structure but yeah. ta- entangling alliances then like all that goes out the window of like right and wrong and uh, like I've become so, so like anti-force and anti-war that I just don't think it's the answer to arm, you know, anyone anywhere. I yeah. think people everywhere should have the ability to to defend themselves as they see fit. But let's not spend other people's yeah. money. Exactly. To put more weapons out into the world. Yeah, a government initiative for that is the problem, for sure. Yeah, and um, there's, you know, a number of countries that are a lot closer to this. Like, are we really saying that they just have no ability to decide, like, is this right or this wrong, and we want to pitch in and help? Like, um, yeah, it's just, it's a tough thing. Especially when, you know, uh, one or two of the largest political parties wants to control the kind of, um, I call it propaganda, but, you know, control the narrative of what's going on yeah. somewhere else in the world, whether it's the Middle East or or Russia or, or China, anywhere, really. Yeah, well, and, you know, that's kind of like the argument for, like, um, you know, anarcho-capitalism that, like, I can, I can really see is, like... Um, you know, if you dismantle those government apparatuses and you really just have a free open market where people are able to like decide, oh, hey, if this person is in power, I can choose not to buy their product and, you know, that will affect them. Um, you know, I, I do think it's not necessarily as black and white yeah, as it's you know. complicated, but I think it's a good thing to shoot for. I think I will say that hundred percent, the closer you have to free trade the closer you have to like a place where boycott is effective yeah and you know i definitely don't think we should be making laws saying you can't boycott like that's another thing with israel in particular like there's states that actually have government legislation that's saying like oh you can't boycott um you know companies that that are from you know a certain country and that's just really bizarre to me that you know people are that uh i don't know bought and paid for but i've experienced that firsthand from everywhere from city council to um you know statewide office to working for national politicians like you know 
I think at the end of the day, if you're getting, you're getting donations that amount to more than most people make in a year, you're, uh, something is wrong. Like people want something in return from you. Sure. They're, they're either knowing you're gonna do what they want you to do, or they're gonna really expect you to do what, what they expect you to do. If they're like donating, you know, even 10 K I would say is pretty absurd to just dole out to somebody. <laughs> like, that's why I really respect the hell out of Rick. And I think it's pretty funny if like a Democrat or Republican or just liberal or conservative, whatever, um, you know, it's like, Oh, you only raised, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, 50 K 60 K whatever to me during, um, the economy that we've had, everything that's been going on, the, the inflation, like that is pretty fucking good yeah have, you know small small donations from the average hard-working well yeah citizen especially when you consider like a skewed media landscape where like libertarians are just their voices just diminished naturally to me he's you know pr- he's pretty much fucking proved that there there is um you know a lack of framing it as a three-way race which it truly is like Mm. like we've tried to make it so hard for them to frame it that way because you know he's had more campaign events he's had more transparency to the press and more open to the public and um, put more hours in you know shaking hands and then i've done the opposite because (laughs) of like my schedule with um you know, correction, being a correctional officer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, I've pretty much made sure we have a presence on like every social media platform that I've ever found someone from Iowa using. I've made a presence there and we actually kind of opened channels through all of them and took questions for like, it asked me anything that we did a few weeks ago. So we did like a multi-platform AMA. So like, we took questions from from Reddit, from uh, everything like Minds, from MeWe or Mew, however you say that, from Truth Social, from you know pretty much everything. Discord, Reddit, like everything that um, that you've probably heard of, we were engaging people and taking questions from, and he was answering them on a live stream that went out. Um, the live stream you could actually see on just YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. Uh, but the questions were coming from, from all these different platforms. So I thought that was really cool. And I hope people do emulate that. Um, yeah. You never see Kim Reynolds do that. No, I, you never see her do <laughs> an event that is, that is not controlled. Like, you oh, know yeah. who's going to ask the questions. You know they're going to be like softball. Yep. You know it's something's not going to like go off the rails. And like to me, that's a big part of having an important position is something's going to, you know, <laughs> like what I've learned being a correctional officer, like you always kind of got to have awareness and nothing is just going to be like nice and perfect. Like what they put in commercials, like, Oh, I'm just shaking everybody's hand and they're wearing my t-shirt. And you know, even if like I play music and even if you're a band, there's going to be nights where you're opening for, you know, we at one time opened for Megadeth and you know, there's people there that really want to see fucking Megadeth. So they're not going (laughs) to be like super friendly to you. So it's like, 
the real world doesn't work like your political advertisements. <laughs> like everyone's <laughs> smiling and like, yeah, you're the fucking best person ever. Like, let's give you all the power over my life. And <laughs> I just entrust you with keeping everybody free and safe. And you're so cool. Yeah. It's not like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it is kind of a, and this is kind of, I, I, you know, I won't lie to you. This is something I kind of struggle with, like being libertarian. Um, and, you know, I'm not an anarchist. Like, I don't fully, I, I do like a lot of anarcho points but i don't fully subscribe to the ideology um but you know it is something that i struggle with like our you know um i don't know if you're familiar with michael malice to a certain degree yeah um you know he's a he's a pretty semi-popular um anarchist libertarian um but he wrote a book and he kind of talked about how <clears throat> in the new right he talked about how you know people you know usually want to be safe rather than <clears throat> than free you know, is that in, is that something that you, you know, think might be, you know, something that could barricade that anarcho society? It's a challenge, but yeah. I think a lot of it is bullshit. Like they think that because we have laws that makes us safe and yeah. To me it's you're going to have to have a if you really want less what you call criminal activity, less crime, less violence. Like that's us. It's going to take like a society, like a paradigm shift. Like it's not going to be like, Oh, here's another law. One hundred thousand and fifty seven. And that's going to keep us safe. Like, Oh, now we have after nine 11. Now we have a TSA and an ice and a, <laughs> now we got a cool fucking tank to like come in and fucking bulldoze somebody's house and move a homeless camp from one part of the city to another. Yeah. Like fucking they live out here in Des Moines. I don't know. Have you ever seen that movie? They live. Uh, no, not no. But yeah. Fuck. It's like, what do you think? You're just moving around people or like even when someone comes to through the system and they get incarcerated and they go, go to prison um, I've seen people that we release and then they're, you know, on the corner in Des Moines asking for money. Like, it's just this vicious cycle of like, what do you think's going to happen if you just keep moving people from one place to the other without addressing the problems? Like same with like moving a homeless camp, just like without mm. having some other hand up for these people. Yeah, they just did that in Des Moines. Yeah, they constantly do it. And there's a literal budget for this. Like you're just <laughs> wasting people's money doing horrible shit to people. And, you know, it always seems to be like right before like cold weather and winter too. Yeah. Like where do you expect <laughs> – it's not like a shelter is the answer for to everything because – a, you pretty much don't get to have your property, you know. B, what if you have like a dog or a pet, you don't get to keep that. If you, uh, you know, I don't think it's right to say like, oh, you got to be cold turkey off whatever drugs or drink you're using to get as a requirement um, of being like helped and safe and warm and shit. So there's just so much wrong that... I truly feel like there's evidence to support loads of evidence to support this, that like housing first principles 
coupled with harm reduction. And um, I really like the clubhouse model of mental health care and kind of using that idea for addiction rehabilitation, like community-based yeah. services where I think, you know, you could have tripartisan agreement. Because I like to think of it as like you're you're lending someone your hand and you're helping them grow economically. You're not just like, here's a handout and just good luck and we'll keep throwing money at the problem whether it gets better or not. Like this is evidence-based that when you use these models, and especially in cities the size of cities that Iowa have, like it seems there's mountain of evidence to support we could actually um, do a lot of good for people and actually save money and lower taxes by doing the right thing. This is like one area where you could actually please all sides if they would just kind of look beyond uh, you know, a little bit further than like tomorrow. Like, oh yeah. shit, there's these homeless people near our business, and we just want them gone. And like, where do you think they're gonna fucking go? Like, they're gonna just move to a different part of the city, or move to a different city, but or go to you know jail or prison, uh, only to come back out and be homeless. It's not like you, like you're suddenly in a lot better place when they kick you out the door than you were when you went in like your your lot doesn't grow you might like learn things and hopefully learn skills and and get clean to some degree and but that's not like a dramatic improvement from you know where you were before so yeah yeah i don't that's that's one where it's like yeah i could totally side with with um you know, the Democrat Party or liberals, if they were like leading the charge on, uh, you know, an evidence-based way to help the houseless population. Like, mm. yes, let's fucking do it. Same with like ending the drug war. Let's fucking do it. Making it uh, easier to move around the planet. Let's fucking do it. But shit just gets lost in this like political football of like. Yeah. Well, and that's why I don't think libertarianism is not like right wing or left wing like if you think no, about enough no. issues like it is its own it's an entirely different bird <laughs> like you got the right wing and the left wing we're a different fucking species exactly yeah it's it's very much it, it's more about like the logistical like you have the right to do what you you know need to do versus like we're you know like removing yourself and not being like okay because you're part of our party you have to align to these ideologies yeah and it's I, not that I at all. personally think anarchy is beautiful and that it is a path to nonviolence <clears throat> and lack of coercion and you know uh, much less government but I'm also like you have to go from point A to where you're going I'm real I'm realistic in that sense like. I can't just pick up my my family and go really anywhere on the planet and be like off the grid magically. Like you're going to be part of a community somewhere else that yeah. has their own government that's very far removed from from individual liberty and personal responsibility. 
Um, I think the difference here is that we still have these documents that we put, you know, on display that, that claim to, to, to protect liberties. But if, if our politicians aren't defending them and our people aren't speaking up about them, then they're just that, you know, pieces of paper. And before they existed, I feel like we had these, these rights and, you know, maybe some things, um, they started to use these documents to actually limit the rights that people have. So I see that and I, I agree with that uh, sentiment, but, but, you know, there's this, there's this great book actually called the moon is a harsh mistress. Um, and it's kind of talks about like, you know, a revolution and then you get to set up your new government and then everyone wants to be like, well, people shouldn't do this or people shouldn't do that. And then every time you're like making it more complicated, like, like, Oh, we want to make sure we have freedom and Liberty, but how many things do we have to say? Like people are free to do really. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the thing. Like the beauty of the bill of rights is like basically everything you're, you're basically free to do everything except for a few very specific things. Like, and one is fucking don't use eminent domain for, private companies gain and that's an issue still today in iowa and same to me you know taking using uh, growing a marijuana plant and using it as medicine is a very basic medical freedom and so when we have an incumbent governor no matter what party they're from that doesn't respect the most basic of property rights doesn't respect the most basic of medical and agricultural freedoms like Mm -hmm. That's a huge problem. And for the longest time, that's been, whether it was a Democrat or a Republican, they both fit the fuck, they both fit the bill. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's such an infuriating aspect of Kim Reynolds. It's like, she wasn't even elected into her initial position. I mean, Terry Branstad got picked by Trump yeah. to be the commissioner of China. I do worry and, that our politicians, like, that'll be a trend for, you know, both of the larger parties. Like, agreed. instead yeah. of letting two new people (coughs) duke it out in an election and you know all the problematic things that that entails let's make it even more problematic by just stepping down and handing you know the role to somebody else so now they're the incumbent and they have that advantage yeah and they have hundreds of thousands millions of dollars to you know make sure there's an advertisement in every commercial break I think that's another challenge to, you know, when you talk about roadblocks is like the older people, you want another beer? Sure. The older people vote the most often and the hardest. And they're also the ones that watch the most, like your local news, your regular commercials. Like there's some, you know, some people that, you know, that, that stream and skip the commercials and whatever as best as they can. But I think like the older the age you are, the less that you do that. It seems like to me. So, you know, if they just are getting the news from their, their local TV channel and their local paper, and that local paper doesn't mention that there's a third person on the ballot, like that's a huge problem. Yeah. You're not even learning until you actually show up to vote that that's even, you know, that there's a competition Exactly. Well, it's beauty of the internet too, though, you know, is that I feel like, you know, people like my age and younger, like 
you know, there's a huge rise in libertarianism among young people. I think the internet has a huge part. And then know, those are the people that don't vote the most, which <laughs> That's I, understand, also very true. I understand <laughs> if that is like your principled stand is that you don't vote because you don't believe in it or because it's corrupted like that's cool i respect yeah. that and i've actually been there i was but gonna say you just very... don't vote because you're apathetic and you're like uh, you know <laughs> i want to complain about everything and be offended by everything but i don't want to like take part in <coughs> you know changing things then that's a problem like but if you're like you know like this is a principled stand that you're taking. I can support that honestly. But yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Speaking of anarchy, I have a. Um, I want to play devil's advocate with you just really quick, and I yeah. want to ask. Um, so, let's say tomorrow that we, you know, had an anarchist society. Um, there, there are these corporations that have you know, in a mass amount of power, and I think a lot of people, you know, misconstrue you know, business with like, I think they misconstrue how this power is amassed. Yeah. So much of it is through being in bed with the government. Exactly. But, but so let me ask you this though. So we have these corporations that are that big. If we had an anarchist society with these corporations, don't you think that, is it possible that they have too much power and that libertarian, you know, libertarian anarcho society is not the answer to that. I think, it's entirely possible, but I think we've never really given it, you know, we've never had a scientific test. Yeah. So I find it really hard to imagine um, it being like this hellscape that is somehow worse. But if it was, then, then I imagine people would be like, well, we need to start a government and, uh, we need to get this shit under control. Like, I guess I don't have a fear of that. Okay. And anyone that does, I don't think it's based on reality because you haven't had that experience. Like, I think the Iowa Constitution is actually a pretty liberty-friendly document. And I think, to a certain degree, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights are, too, Um so a lot more so than what a lot of other places in the world have in place in terms of government. So at least we like still have it in our history books and pay lip service to it, whether or not our politicians understand it or care about it. You know, that's another story or our people are standing up for their rights. And I think they more and more, more and more people are, but, because, uh, you know, it seemed like it, when I was a kid, it was very much like you just respect authority every turn. Like, <laughs> yeah. and I think a lot of people have woken up to, to, you know, you respect people that deserve respect, that earn respect. And like, hell yeah, I respect people that are doing this amazing thing to keep people safe. But there's a lot of people that don't take that responsibility seriously or that do fuck up and you shouldn't just you know those people don't just get respect because you know because they're a politician or because they wear a badge or whatever or because they wear a funny hat like (laughs) like you know you should respect humans other people on the planet because 
They do something to earn that respect, not just because they have a title or, or whatever, or got so many votes. Sure, sure. Um, I want to steer this conversation uh, more toward, because we've already been going for about an hour here. Yeah. Um, more toward, so you both, you have a podcast called Heavy Radio, yep. and you are also part, what's your band? Uh, your, Dark Mirror. Dark Mirror, there you so, go. So I have, when I say, you know, I'm going to do something. We're going to campaign through the last vote. Like I just shift to that. And like my entire focus has been on doing like being as much. So, so I never thought I would be a politician. I don't have particular love for politicians. I have some people over the years that I've come to respect as like, Hey, this person is trying so hard and, I can't find, you know, like a huge ethical problem with this person. So they're they're cool. But otherwise, in general, you know, there's maybe like three of those people in Iowa, maybe like three in our national government that like are still alive or still at it. Um, So it's very, it's rare, but it happens. Um, So, you know, I've put the, the music on the back burner. Sure. And, um, uh, actually, my co-host, he had his first son, his first oh. baby. Um, so we've kind of let him have bonding time. So we sure. haven't had an episode since that Rob Sand episode, actually, mm-hmm. when the state auditor came on. And, you know, it was just a coincidence that we had, you know, a Democrat on the show. Like, we don't, we invite, you know, if there was a someone from any other party that was cool, you know, we'd have them. Like, it's a very music-based Sure, program sure. got people from all walks of of life but yeah that's heavy radio we'll be back at it oh, yeah um, i'd love to come on by 23 yeah we will do an episode awesome and, um um so we'll be hitting that hard again after he's had some time to bond with his little one sure and, um, well and you're i mean you're getting off you're going to be getting off the road from doing all this yeah. political stuff so um, they'll up some time yeah and actually um my co-host is in the current lineup of the band and um, oh, okay. we sat next to each other in fifth grade and we were <laughs> trading uh, Megadeth and Metallica and Dio and Ozzy records like going way back. So like, Hell yeah. Um, Hell yeah. we have pretty much like the framework of an album. We just need to, um, after he's had, you know, his kind of family bonding time and, and I'm off the, uh, you know, the last vote gets counted um, we'll shift gears back to to getting this album out and um, and getting the podcast rolling again. Hell yeah! Um, what one last question about like uh, libertarianism? Are you guys doing kind of any kind of like event or party for yeah the elections? Um, well, the big thing is next Saturday we have it'll be the Saturday before the vote. Um, we're kind of just all getting out as a crew and kind of spreading the word uh, in neighborhoods and then uh, having a showing of V for Vendetta. Okay. Actually at, uh, it's at Merle Hay Mall, I think at Flick's Brewhouse. Okay, so that's going to be after that. Okay, I see. Yeah, um, so that's, which is cool to have a party apparatus that is like trying to do, to do something like that. That I think is something you lack as a independent in today's political landscape. It's yeah. like, it's nice to have, like there are some positive things of having, you know, a party affiliation, but it definitely goes way too fucking far with, you know, any of... <laughs> 
the two largest parties, I think. Um, you know, and there's even problem and conflict that arises in the smaller parties, like the Green Party and Libertarian Party have had their yeah. share of all kinds of shit we could get into, but it's like, I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm optimistic about it just as a ideology and as a principle that I don't get too worried about different sorts of infighting and shifts in leadership. Like all that shit's going to happen. And, yeah. um, I think, you know, the general, public will decide if this is like a good uh you know a good leadership that's that's doing a good job and you know if this person is a good advocate for liberty they'll you know it'll it'll all play it'll all work itself out i think hell yeah hell yeah you know it's kind of funny um you know talking about like party affiliation so i'm named after my father my father, we, me and my father have the same name besides I'm a junior. He's a judge. So he actually got pro, and I'm, you know, I'm officially on the libertarian, um, like register as a libertarian. Mm -hmm. So somebody actually went up to him and <laughs> asked him if he was a libertarian, which is pretty funny. Uh, he was just, yeah. like, he told me, he was like, oh, well, that makes sense because someone just came up to me. I was telling him I was libertarian. He's like, oh, someone came up to me and did that. Yeah, I and think that, that, that happens like, um, yeah, for me, I mean, we I seek each say, other out. We're like, <laughs> I would say my my ma pretty much instilled me in the basic principles of libertarianism without being like registered as a libertarian or even necessarily knowing like that much about the. Party. I see just the core values, which I think honestly a lot of cultures, um, like a lot like Italian, like Latina, Latino, and. Um, a lot of different cultures, I think, are um, even indigenous uh, culture. A lot of them, like to me, it aligns with with the basic principles. Like, yeah, you're gonna you get in trouble when you label something, and then there's hundreds of years of people that do problematic shit every once in a while say something problematic and they're labeled a libertarian. So then people are like, Oh, that's what, that's what it's about. But like just the basic idea of not hurting other people, not taking their shit. Like there's a lot of cultures that I think have that, like, you know, Liberty streak in them. It's just, how do you, you know, how do you sell that to enough people that it makes a, a huge difference and that's i think that's the challenge oh yeah but yeah no um as far like i right now i'm so jealous because <laughs> i have been just in the books in the um talking working building relationships with legislature um with different people of of different uh you know fancy titles and um, between that and working overtime as a correctional officer, like I have friends just recently that I've seen like the misfits, seen King Diamond, <laughs> seen, seen um, Merciful Fate and just all kinds of this epic shit, Queen Shrek and Judas Priest. Like I am missing it so much because I would have gone to at least two out of three of those things if I could. And and so, yeah, to me, I'm definitely a music fan and a musician. Like, that's my core. Um, I've just kind of, 
I've been willing to make that sacrifice to put that to the side um, until this election is over. And, and, you know, I don't have delusions like, oh, we're going to fucking kick everybody's ass, but we're going to do the very best we possibly can, and we're going to work as hard as we can until until they count that last vote. And I hope people see that and and respect that and, and kind of are inspired by that. That's, that's, what, that's our hope. Exactly. No, <clears throat> I think that's something people need to recognize about the Libertarian parties. It's, it's not going to be like a blowout. Like I, you know, yeah, even if there comes a time where we, you know, win more and more elections, like it's probably going to be pretty fucking close. Mm-hmm. And I think that's partially because of that, like, people love feeling safe even if it's just like an illusion or whatever yeah there's always going to be that person that wants to promise you yeah like we'll keep you safe and we'll spend all we'll give you all this shit and and you know they don't adequately explain that it's your own money they're using you know it's people's money that they're using that they took to to give you whatever they think is going to help but yeah well honestly i think it's a good thing for there to be you know, separation of ideas and like for races to be close for there to be competition. Yeah. You know, having an open exchange of ideas. Yeah, totally. Honestly, I think where our country, one way we really went wrong is like to try to like censor and cancel and kill like communists and, and socialists. Like I would rather have, you know, this republic where they have their ideas and I have mine and we peacefully put these ideas to the test. Like we did so much damage to like, Oh, you're a socialist and you're banned from Hollywood and, or you're a communist and you know, we need to go to your country and just fucking murder you. Um, or you're a, you know, Muslim and we have to show you, uh, by force that there's a better way and yeah so that. so i think we went horribly wrong like which i guess has made me more and more libertarian and or anarchist in that uh, i think that's a horrible way to try to change the world and i think we're paying for it and we'll pay for it for a long long time yeah yeah i mean despite whatever you know whether you're the part of the libertarian party or not, like that's a reality. Even if, is that. So even, okay, let's say, uh, ye is just a fucking <laughs> Nazi and he comes out and he's wearing the patches and the uniform. That would I be would hilarious by the way. <laughs> to, I would rather he still has a microphone. He still has a platform and we still hash it out. Mono a mono, like Donda let's, let's, too. let's talk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't even someone now like it's just so hard to tell what's reality and what's not like someone said he wanted to call his album Hitler and I'm like I don't fucking know but even if he did like there's like let's talk and let's learn uh from each other and let him just fall on his face and and uh we don't I think there's a much better way than just trying to censor people and deplatform people like yeah well, kind of, or, or ideas, you know. Even yeah. like, I don't think socialism is like this thing we need to fear and we need to kill people over. I think if our ideas are so good and liberty is so good and and competition is so good, we need to let there be competition between ideas, even if those are ideas we don't like, like socialism and 
communism and, and whatever ism you want to throw out there. Um, like you can't just win over everybody. Like you're not going to win over people that love democratic socialism by, you know, owning them on Twitter or like deplatforming them. Cause you don't like them. It's the same way as like, you're not going to win over the, the alt-right or the mega crowd by like making it so they don't have a space or don't have a voice. Like you're, you're only going to win these hearts and minds by like teaching them and learning, uh, you know, giving them learning moments and yeah. And like maybe, yo, you know, you don't take someone out of a cult by like isolating them. Like I think, it's actually quite the opposite like showing them yeah that like letting them learn from themselves that hey maybe this was really fucked up and you know i'm amazed that i got sucked into this but but i don't think that's the way like censorship and deplatforming and canceling is like some people's heart might be in the right place but it's not like it's making not society solution. better. Yeah, it's not. A good <laughs> You're solution. not winning people to like now they're going to go and vote for the person you like because you did that. Yeah. Like you know, like with Trump, like I truly believe that Trump isn't um Trump wasn't the problem, he was the result of the problem. And I always thought the best thing you could do is like let him talk and let him <laughs> Let, let him just make him, a fool of himself. Yeah, let for him real. don't ban him from Twitter, like let him talk to people because even his own crowd like soon enough will be like what the fuck is this dude fucking yeah, talking I mean, about he threw he threw all the january 6 people under the bus the next day he was like yeah we totally i think yeah i think by now actually if there wasn't all this like uh, movement to take away his voice i think it might actually be a phenomenon that has passed by now like his own worshipers would have turned against him to a greater extent by now yeah. if we allowed it to happen but by the f simple fact of like feeding into it like oh you aren't letting him communicate on twitter and you know you're never giving him a chance like that just like makes it like this excuse that they just give him a pass for everything like every fuck up and every cringy thing he says like well we have all this ammunition of like you took him off social media or you just run all these like negative pieces about him. And like, I think, you know, people are there. If you're, especially if you're trying to be a politician, like you're your own, <laughs> you can be your own worst enemy. Like you will say something eventually that if you're, you know, if you're not in it for the right reasons, you're gonna, fuck up and fall eventually and i think we're just making that process a lot slower when we try to like you know limit people's speech and that sort of thing yeah exactly well let me ask you contra not really even controversial for libertarians but like do you think the 2020 election was stolen or rigged in any way i think that really every election is, yeah, I mean, that's the basic answer. And so the fact that more people are hip to that, like, yo, look a little further than last election. Like, look at every election, 
you know, JFK is one of our most popular presidents of all time. And his election was like his father, you know, paid uh, mafiosos to like rig the election for him. And there was a lot of legitimate election rigging going on in the JFK election. And, you know, it's only gone downhill from there. And so, yeah, I think once, you know, you have two parties that pretty much are owned by all sorts of large corporations. And I honestly think there's a lot of, of what we call like the elite or just, you know, some of the, the one, two percent that don't really give a fuck who wins as long as it's a Democrat or a Republican that they have some level of control over. So I think the fact that we, we don't have, you know, these free and fair elections, that is the rigging that, that you can't just be like, Hey, this is a guy that, uh, that thought he could do better than the other people. And he decides to run and he doesn't have like, the same shot as like someone that's an establishment Democrat or Republican. I think that is the, the election rigging and the extent of election rigging. Like you basically have to be like the, the George Carlin, like big club. You have to, you have to be a member of it. Yeah. And then it's rigged in your favor, but I don't think it's like, um, I, I don't think it was like straight up. We just took votes from, won the Democrat and gave them to the Republican. Like, I don't think it was rigged on that level personally. I think I it's a bigger picture than that. A much bigger picture than yeah. that. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. I don't think it was necessarily like. I, I just can't imagine. Like, there's the people that have the most power, I think, would have been just as happy with Trump or Clinton, just as happy with Trump or Biden. Like, there's just not. If you look at thousands of different issues, there's not enough difference for I think it to be even worth like trying to break this little rigged game that they have of elections, yeah. like just because they like one of those two better than the other. Like I just don't buy it that that, you know, um yeah, I don't think it was rigged on the level that like um you know, that mule guy documentary filmmaker says it was like <laughs> yeah yeah or like you know ballots were <coughs> excuse me like that ballots were getting fucked with or whatever i don't necessarily agree with that either i do think i'm sure some percentage of votes sure. and ballots get fucked with every sure. election but i'm also fairly certain that it swings like both ways and a lot of them cancel each other out yeah and exactly i don't think it's just a democrat problem or just a republican problem I think we should strive to do better and have, you know, but to me, a freer and fairer election means like probably like using technology, which a lot of, you know, Democrats and Republicans are afraid of, like to use like blockchain technology to have secure voting and um, things like, uh, having like open primary so independents can participate and not forcing people to register as Democrat or Republican if they yeah. want a caucus or primary like that really skews things. And, and that's a barrier for sure. Um, and not having like these hoops that people have to jump through if they're independent or not Democrat or not Republican 
things like that, I think, would be passed to better elections. Ranked choice voting, I personally support. I think it'd be an improvement, not like a be-all, end-all, but but it would be better. Uh, so, yeah, things like that, uh, not having forums or debate or polling that has like yeah. all the people on the ballot making it harder for non-Democrats, non-Republicans to get on the ballot. Like, that's the election rigging. Not like, hey, we just went over and turned all your Trump votes to Biden votes or all your Clinton votes to Trump votes or your Al Gore votes. Like, okay, that was a different situation where it seemed like there was a lot of evidence that, you know, W. Bush was, um, you know, just another problematic election out of a long history of of problematic elections. Well, you know, I think when it comes to, like, you know, pointing out the corruption in the election, a lot more of it has to do with, like, the media control. Like, you know, every social media platform, every news platform, like, obviously... Basically, if they're telling everybody that, you know, from the get-go, that this is, like, one of two peoples to win out of, like, you know, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands to billions of people, depending on what election it is, like... Yeah, that's a problem. You're you're basically rigging it and framing it the way that you want to frame it from the starting gun. Yeah. So yeah, it's I think it wouldn't be inaccurate to say elections are are fraudulent or rigged, but it's a lot bigger picture, a lot more things that need covered than just like it's more nuanced. Oh, those machines turn the votes to from one to the other. Yeah. Like, I think the powers that be were perfectly content with like, you know, Trump or Clinton or, or yeah. Trump or Biden. No, I I'm convinced they're on the same team for sure. They're they They, you know, answer to the same masters. And, you know, are still like touting this whole narrative of at least one of the two larger parties are like the answer to everything to all our problems for a certain percentage of the population exactly so they're not really a threat to to any of the powers that be and i think if they were you know they'd be treated a whole lot differently i agree man well hey i think this is a good sentiment to end this episode on we've been going for shit almost an hour and a half here um obviously we have the election coming up november 7th i believe a tuesday the eighth or the eighth sorry the episode with rick chops seven you can (laughs) yeah you can vote at your auditor's office uh right now and uh actually it's a thing a lot of people don't understand is like even like the window to vote absentee is already passed so there's probably you know a sizable percentage that's already voted but if we could motivate enough people to go and want to break the duopoly, um, you know, even getting four or 5% of the vote will do that. So, so, you know, that's the low bar and, and yeah, we feel pretty confident about that, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep working to do as, as good as we can until, uh, the last person puts their vote in. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Marco, it's been a fucking pleasure, man. As always, it's, it's great to have you on. Um, everybody, Cheers. go vote Libertarian on November 8th. Let's, uh, let's fucking shake this shit. Let's get it going. Hell yeah. 
um and we'll put all your links in the description uh we're here every monday and tuesday or monday and thursday at 7 p.m go check our patreon if you want exclusive content all that all right peace everybody have a good night